2: And for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. got science to celebrate, now,
0: after
3: Baby, come on. There is rebellion in. The- Everything I've said is true, it's
0: real. Manage robots? God put those here to test our faith. A
3: damn lie, I
0: saw them on my own eye. Did accuse just drop sharply while I was away? We did it in illusions, man. None of it is true. I not not insane. This is mass madness, you maniac. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion.
2: Welcome back to The Deep Share. I'm here with Thomas Gorins of Paranoid American. Thomas, how's it going, man?
3: Good, good. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, thank you for being here. Thomas is the the producer, right? And, and a, a main writer of Paranoid American?
3: Yeah, so, so self-published creator. I, I came up with a bunch of crazy ideas and then realized that I wasn't the best artist and I wasn't the best writer at first, so I started... <laughs> Uh, you know, hiring people to help me and getting friends to help me. And then over time, I've kind of evolved into just doing a lot of the writing and art direction on my own. Yeah,
2: that's awesome, man. Yeah, I've, I've, the artwork is mind blowing. Some of the writing I've seen so far is really crazy. Um, yeah, well, let's um, give my audience a little background first about who you are and how you got into, first of all, like comic books and also conspiracy theories and which one
3: came first and how it all how did it all mesh together well comic books definitely came first because i grew up uh you know reading x-men almost uh, exclusively marvel at least back in the day i i shopped almost exclusively out of the dollar bins and this local comic shop that we had that you know under all the expensive new comics that had come out were all the ones from the the 70s and 80s that you could get for for a dollar so i would uh go through those and just kind of um, established in the, the X-Men and X-Force and Wolverine and, you know, sort of the, the staples that they're kind of remaking now. So uh, mm-hmm. comic books had always been um, my go-to media, I guess, in the day. And, and I remember that all my best friends or anyone that I really admired were people that could draw comics, like going back to grade school and stuff. Um, so for whatever reason, I always had like a huge passion for it, although I never quite got great at drawing Uh, comics (laughs) at all but yeah it it was just kind of stuck with me through through the years and I I think one of the biggest ones is I had a a science teacher that was was so impressed with the vocabulary of uh, a couple of the kids in class and it was just because they had been reading x-men comics for the last year so and like the scientific terminology and stuff was kind of up to, to snuff for the time so I remember that making a big impression on me and I got like really hardcore into comics after that.
2: That's awesome, man. And uh, so when did conspiracies leak in? (laughs) That that one's
3: a hard to pin. Uh, It was definitely, I, I came aware of coast to coast uh, in the mid to late nineties or so. And then there was a couple albums that I remember hearing about the Illuminati and kind of looking that up on the internet. And there was a very limited amount of information you can find on the internet. Uh, at that time about them. And I found the uh, Robert Anton Wilson's work, the, the Illuminatus Trilogy. Yeah. So that was sort of my my entry point, but it it felt like a very natural segue from comic books to the Illuminatus Trilogy. Um, and then I started, you know, um, oh, I joined the military. That was another big one. So I joined the military. <laughs> and while I'm, while I'm on the, um, in basic training, we're practicing, you know, marching drills, 9-11 happened. And I remember that for the first two weeks or so, um, our, we didn't even know what had happened. We just know that there was like this event and that we'd learn about it after we got out of training, but they purposefully blocked us from seeing media and getting newspaper articles so we could finish the training. And I remember coming out of that and then finding out what 9-11 happened and all this. And it I don't know, just it threw me for a, a complete loop that I had been kept in the dark, understandably so, I guess. But it also, like, like I wasn't there for that moment to, like, watch the plane hit the tower and then to, like, partake in the national grievance that took place over those next like week or two and apparently everyone was singing kumbaya and have you know hands locked across the country and I didn't see any of it I read about a lot of that so mm-hmm. um I, I, coming out of that experience I don't know if it was just skepticism but I didn't I didn't get that same like initial media injection of propaganda I would I would phrase it so yeah. as soon as all the 9-11 conspiracy theories uh started coming out of the woodwork you know, they, they took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting any sort of like inside job narratives, but as soon as I started coming out, I was like, I was primed for them, whether, you know, whether for good or bad, it's not because I was like fully researched or had some kind of inkling, just, I was, you know, I was ready to, to learn more about it because I kind of been kept away from all of it. Mm, Yeah. You were kind of like ready to receive. Yeah. And I mean, it, it helped that I knew about Illuminati and, (laughs) <laughs> and I hear Alex Jones talking about the Illuminati's behind <laughs> it, you know, paraphrasing at some point.
2: Yeah, I remember seeing Alex Jones before I really got into any conspiracy theories he was
3: in. Did you ever see that
2: like weird movie waking life where they. So I,
3: I remember. So I when I went to um, military in Texas. I mean, I could actually pick him up on the the radio and some of the stations. So nice. I remember knowing he was a thing before waking life and before the, kind of like the media personality sort of erupted where he'd right. like a WWF fighter or something. <laughs> it's a good way to put it. <laughs> but Yeah. But like, uh, um, I remember seeing his police state series. It was like a three part series. And that was one of the very first sort of, uh, conspiracy video series that I had watched beginning to end that kind of blew my mind and at the time i didn't believe half of it and now like like the l rad thing blew my mind at the time and now l rads are you know just like typical crowd control that local police stations tend to have so yeah and shit
2: yeah i mean and then you hear about even crazier stuff that they're developing for anti-riot weapons and and stuff like that like direct energy stuff and stuff that can scramble your thoughts but the
3: the, the second we hear about it means it's been 20 30 years in development you know (laughs) right yeah exactly it, it works
2: well yeah i always like to reference that like we had like a gigabyte processor in like the late 60s but you know it wasn't on the market until like the mid 90s or something like that you know
3: well i guess a lot of that too is explained away by just the the cost and efficiency like a lot of that stuff is Available, but you have to have some super deep, you know, Lockheed Martin military contractor pockets in order to pay for it. Right. And it takes 20, 30 years until it comes, you know, commoditized. And now it's in your phone and on your wrist or whatever in your yeah. bloodstream. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. So, so let's
2: talk a little bit more about Paranoid American because I love your website. Your website is so well done, dude. And I think that really speaks volumes because I had to make my own. It's not very nice. A lot of people don't have a very good delivery on their website. And I just love the way yours is laid out, man. I
3: appreciate that, man. That's kind of my background. So that was the the best thing that I could bring to this was I've, you know, I've been making websites um, for as long as I can remember. So I I made it on myself. I couldn't find the right. Sort of combination of whatever WordPress themes and plugins or or off the shelf things. So uh, it was it was kind of like a long project in the making, but I hope to keep it updated. I haven't touched it in a couple years because it's been running (laughs) smoothly enough. So
2: (laughs) yeah, man. Um, I yeah, it's great because it just lays out all your comics and everything that's involved. I got to meet some of your artists. I reached out to them because I'm looking for cool new artwork for merchandise and you know maybe a new logo and stuff so you got you have all those great artists listed some of them are so talented they and they are not even necessarily like strictly involved in like the conspiratorial arenas they're just well, incredible I, I artists to
3: do that more than anything because so the the origins of paranoid american kind of i mean i've, I've wanted to do something that was conspiracy um entertainment related since before I joined the military, but at that time I wanted it to be maybe a concept album or a concept group that uh, released music about conspiracy theories, and it it proved to be very very difficult just for the medium and the mm. the lyrics didn't always maybe make as uh, much difference as I wanted it to. So it kind of evolved into this uh, visual medium, and at the time I was working at Disney, and I worked there for almost ten years, wow. and I was. I was rubbing elbows with people that were, you know, had like drawn sketches for Lion King or that had worked on all sorts of like big budget movies, mostly doing storyboards and stuff, not the final animators. Mm -hmm. But at the time I was just like, man, I've got these ideas and I've got these like world-class artists around me. I would love to get this guy to draw like some crazy Franklin (laughs) scandal, you know, conspiracy (laughs) shit, even if they don't know exactly what they're drawing. You know, I would love because because it would sort of establish um, some credibility in the theory, better or worse, not not that I'm endorsing any specific theories, but it, it, it gives it a whole lot more credibility when it looks like, you know, like a nicely done drawing. And uh, I don't know. And I also felt like trying to get people that didn't, you know, have any idea in these concepts, just get them interested enough. So through the course of drawing it, maybe they would be like, hey, man, I didn't Hear about that now I'm slightly more interested in it so it, it started like that and then it just kind of ballooned because I just um to be honest like, like a project would get delayed so I'd start another one to kind of fill up the time and then that one might get delayed and I so before I knew it I had like over 10 titles on my hands. That's awesome dude I mean it's it seems pretty pretty much like an organic process
2: you know uh that's really cool that you were rubbing elbows with so many intense artists and having those connections and it's Creepier that you were rubbing elbows at Disney at all. I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah. you must have, you must have been getting some good material there too.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I worked for, a, I worked on property for maybe five or six years at the like the, the MGM Hollywood Studios back lot in a post production uh, facility. So for a lot of the stuff, we did like post production effects work for like the parade, but we also. Uh, worked on a lot of cool like in in park interactive things so if you went into one of the exhibits and they have like a little kiosk screen or some kind of like little interactive thing that was a lot of the cool things that i got to work on there so it was it was a nice mixture of you know all sorts of talents and, and people across the gamut
2: oh yeah i mean talking about they're they're like basically taking over the entire entertainment world at this point I mean, they have so much power. They can hire so much talent. That's kind of always what I try to remind people about these deeper conspiracy theories that it's like, you got to remember that we're dealing with people that latch on to and bribe incredible storytellers, amazing myth makers and uh metaphor creators you know so it's like when people kind of second guess all the creepy symbolism stuff i'm like just remember <laughs> like yeah. the they're not talented but they leech from and latch on to very talented people well
3: you know what I, I mean wrongly I, I strongly believe and tweak this approach that conspiracy theories are the closest thing we've got to modern day mythology just because we We tend to explain so many things away with, you know, science, and we, we leave very little outside of, you know, fundamentalist uh, religious people. We don't say like, oh, that lightning strike was God, or oh, this other thing was God. But conspiracy theories, they, they fill this, uh, this kind of a, a niche, I think, where there are these like, like, why do these horrible things happen when, you know, the world has got resources and communication and, like we've we've got the means to stop so many of the horrible things going on so now instead of saying well it's you know god is just works in mysterious ways now it's well it's the trilateral commission or the cfr <laughs> or the council of 300 or you know oh, jay-z good. and the illuminati or whatever but I, <laughs> I i firmly believe that that's sort of what we've got modern day and maybe in hundreds or thousands of years from now you know th- that will be sort of our like our uh, Greek epics will be Alex Joan rants about gay frogs, who knows? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would be amazing. And someone will find a paranoid American comic in the rubble somewhere.
3: Hopefully, man, that's that's the dream, <laughs> like, I guess, is just to make something that, that outlives me. Maybe it's that, that has Absolutely. more interest
2: a 100 years from now <laughs> <laughs> i totally agree man I, that's why that's why i'm putting this out there trying to communicate with as many people as i can and hopefully these airwaves will carry hopefully i don't know this is not as concrete as a physical comic book so we'll see <laughs> but, Even uh,
3: it's hard to come by because i mean they, they start digital and they somewhat end digital and almost all the printing is all digital printing unless you do the offset printing out in china and it's a it's a whole mm. fucking thing you know
2: <laughs> yeah so now do you deal it mainly in digital when you when you sell a little your comics, bit half or... and half
3: because uh, okay. i find that you've got two sort of different demographics like the people that buy and read printed comics might not you know be the exact same group of people that buy and read digital comics very often it's you know two different types of readers so mm. you can't really ignore one and, and just cater to the other um, but yeah. that said, like, it I, I always feel like shooting myself in the foot if I don't have some kind of a printed release, because those are like the hardcore comic collectors that want to own it, maybe own a couple, you know, the variant covers and stuff. Yeah. Those are the ones that buy and read physical comics. So um, I I've, I, would feel like I would be doing them a disservice by not catering to them directly. So I mean, every everything I do is made to be formatted for print. I try to get it at 300 or 600 DPI. And you know, I've, I've learned a lot about the margins and laying the pages out and and stuff. And there's, there's also, um, it's, it's a very subtle dynamic. And a lot of people that don't read a lot of physical comics might not get it, but like this concept of turning the page where like things happen between you turning that page that you don't have to explain. And sometimes in the digital format, you lose a little bit of that because you don't get, you don't get this big reveal where, you know, page, 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 and then you do this, this, uh, page turn and you're confronted by like a, a big nice splash two page spread and it just doesn't have that same punch in digital formats um, so and there's that's just one tiny example of a few other things that that come to mind um, but mm-hmm. that, that said too like digital is so much more convenient so much uh, easier yeah. to get in front of people's eyes. Um, having print comics like at this point you either go with a a large distributor and then you are just kind of cold calling and getting people to have their local shops call up an order and they have to sell a certain amount and if they don't then you got to buy it back and it's it's this whole you know it's very easy to lose money Mm -hmm. and then with digital you just you know kind of put it out there for free essentially and take a, um, a tiny percentage of anything that gets sold uh, but it's so much easier to market and just send someone a link. So it's, you know, there's completely different beasts um, and they, they take lots of effort on on both fronts.
2: Yeah, sounds like it, man. I mean, you, you guys have a lot of work done, it looks like. I'm looking at your list right now of comics. It yeah, looks like Time Samplers is, is like I've, this premiere. I've got more pages
3: unpublished than I've got pages <laughs> published. Uh- <laughs> All in due time, right? All in due time, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
2: But yeah, just to list a few, we got time samplers, the secret mystery school. Fiction can I share my screen
3: on, on this oh,
2: sure. Yeah. If you need permission. Oh, there you go. Okay, cool. So here we
3: go. Yeah. I'll, I'll just show the, the main screen because it'll be good with a visual. So got time samplers, yeah. which is the first comic that I started. And this one I, I constantly refer to it was like the kitchen sink. So when I first started, I just wanted to make this one comic and um, I just kind of threw everything out like every idea I had to write <laughs> for any story all ended up here uh, and it just it's it's such a fun read because it touches on a million different subjects from Alexander Graham Bell and Jekyll Island to the Titanic sinking to MK old like I can nice. even list all the different topics and it's it's very like rapid fire so I try to to bring up at least three or four different unique conspiracies and blend them all into some kind of like detective story in each issue That's um, so but cool. but through making time samplers I realized that there were other sort of uh, stories I wanted to pursue in a little bit more depth that might not fit that mold so almost every other comic that came out of uh, the on this page came out of time samplers and me wanting to focus a little bit more so like secret mystery school is about a couple college kids that accidentally take, like, this perfect blend of psychedelics that makes <laughs> them legit enlightened for, you know, a small amount of time. And through this, they they basically get possessed by, like, an enlightened philosopher thinking that they could just kind of, like, jump in and out, um, not realizing that, you know, they jumped into this guy that was just sort of, you know, tripping out on, on mushrooms <laughs> or something. So now they have to become legit enlightened in order to kind of free this philosophical being but oh my god that's awesome <laughs> and it's and it's it's i describe it as uh like philosophy with lots of dick jokes so the first person <laughs> to meet is diogenes and one of his things is he you know he like um defecates in public um and he just kind of like uh we try to take a little bit more crude uh so it's a little bit more college humor I've got um, Paranoid American History is a series of anthology comics. Each of them are maybe like a six to seven page story on a completely different topic. And this originally started as like my uh, testing grounds for new writers and new artists that I want to work with. So I would, you know, write a short story with them. And then if that panned out, then we might work on a much longer story. And I think this in itself has probably got somewhere around like 70, pages and this this will be coming out very soon as a graphic novel wow that's Um, awesome never straight answers one i'm working on right now that should be out at the end of the year maybe next year it's about stanley kubrick directing the moon landings that's Um, awesome (laughs) but and it's it's a it's a comedy and it sort of takes the approach that the moon landings are de facto just being filmed by him so it's less emphasis on like what he's doing to film the moon landings and more just about kind of funny shit happening in the background. And um, that's awesome. <laughs> so, and it's got a bunch of uh, cast of characters that come through that were big in like the, the 60s and 70s and things like that.
2: For some reason, um, it, it immediately gives me the feeling of like Dr. Strange love. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: yeah absolutely and there's definitely there's nods to almost every stanley kubrick movie and and quirk uh is that i could fit in here I want <laughs> that's to great egg, so if you're a huge stanley kubrick fan i i think i i hid something about every one of his weird sort of rumors and everything in there so
2: that's so cool man
3: um let's see i got paranoid pamphlets is sort of a parody on chick tracks which are these religious pamphlets that typically would talk about how like Halloween is the devil or how <laughs> um, you know like tattoos and biker gangs are the devil and and it, they almost always were just kind of bible thumping stuff but mm-hmm. I kind of remade one in the format that you know you would expect but it's all about the history of MK Ultra right now and I'm working nice. on um, one another one right now on satanic panic that sort of traces two threads one thread is the the sort of media fervor and the kind of like religious political spin that it took Mm -hmm. uh, where a lot of you know innocent people got accused of things that were heinous but then it also i'm going to try to trace a a little bit more of a legit connection and and i i I haven't sorted this all out yet but i'm doing a lot more research on like the son of sam killings and the process church and the very vague connections there but Mm -hmm. i feel like there might be two sort of parallel threads that may or may not intertwine but they kind of follow the same timeline one is sort of this real satanic panic and another one's kind of a a fake satanic panic so I'm Hmm. seeing where that that leads me but that'll be the next pamphlet and then I had another one that was going to be on public education but with the uh the COVID thing completely disrupting how the public education system works um indefinitely you know postponing that one for a little while (laughs) <laughs> yeah because it'll just be burned and banned everywhere
2: and, yeah, and, and it'll just, be like, things are
3: changing that like it was originally going to be on um the, the prussian education system and how we we learned from the failed napoleonic wars that one of the things that we could take away from that was the system of licenses and degrees and to make sure that everyone's essentially reliant on you know public education and government um sponsored educational institutions in order to say that you're allowed to build a house or, or do, you know, any sorts of uh, professions. But I mean, that's, again, that's, it's a, it's a deep topic. And now since so much schooling is kind of getting remote and all over the place, it's not as easy to approach as when I first started on it. So. Yeah, that's true. So each one of these pamphlets is basically like an 18 page Pamphlet that tries to break down a complex conspiracy theory in, you know, the most highlighted bullet points with illustrated panels and stuff.
2: That's awesome. Did you? I'll I'll keep going. I got a couple. Yeah, by all means.
3: Uh, Fiction faction is um, sort of like a Sunday newspaper style funny uh, strip where we just mix and match two completely different conspiracy theories together. One of them was like. Uh, werewolves and chemtrails Um, and it's all totally I mean it's they're all fictional Um, but like the idea is that for example in during World War II we just we created chemtrails and it was actually made to uh, turn people into werewolves that would then hunt down Nazis and there was another one where the CIA hired um, uh, the music industry to get more people to eat fast food but then the fast food companies took over the technology and you know used it for their own goods. So it's they kind of cool like like mishmashes of just ridiculous topics. It was a little That's more of a awesome. silly thing.
2: Now this next one, Black Mass Pizza, that one
3: sounds very,
2: <laughs> very delicious. What's yeah, the, this they, one? About? The name
3: started first, and then the story kind of followed <laughs> out there, to be totally honest. Yeah, it sounds um, like a dark joke. Everybody was laughing at. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it 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 ended up there. So, so the, I mean, uh, I'm not ruining like um any like major cliffhanger here. But the Black Mass pizza is essentially based on the concept of Black Mass, where um, a Black Mass is sort of the inversion of a Holy Mass. And you know, the the most direct to the point, crude explanation here is that instead of this holy wafer that. Um, you through transmogrification becomes the or transubstantiation becomes the body of Christ they take a wafer and everyone does like you know defiles it and which typically like would imply people bleeding on it or spitting on it or ejaculating onto it or just doing you know vile things to it so the concept here is that there is this pizza shop that is kind of creating these like a cursed pizzas by you know it's it's never directly illustrated but kind of hinted at that this is what they're doing is they're sort of defiling these pizzas and then sending them out to um to um the porcelain club which is one of the the finishing clubs at um harvard so basically this this pizza wizard guy is trying to infiltrate the upper echelons of society through Um, these colleges so and it's it takes place in Salem so hence you know Black Mass is actually stands for like Salem, Massachusetts and that's the 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 guy's pizza place so and then this one the the fun part is this one is co-written by um, Doc Wyatt who has written so many things I can't even list but you know Spider-Man, Avengers, um, My Little Pony, Transformers, (laughs) he was a producer on uh, Napoleon Dynamite and a number of others so like he's wow. he's a, a really funny guy and he brought like a like a movie quality to the writings. Like it's it's sort of written like a like a teen sort of you know R-rated teen comedy. So That's I I, great. I think it's a really, really fun one
2: cool let's keep moving along here i love hearing about these i'm just trying to figure out which one i want to read first i've never been into comics until i read grant morrison's the invisibles and that suddenly <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> dude all of a sudden i was like oh wow okay so it's not just spandex
3: <laughs> yeah it's not just spandex and capes and yeah <laughs>
2: So, so, so I'm definitely uh, digging
3: into these. <laughs> so Lee's Demons is one that's gonna take a while, but it's I think I've got like seventy pages done. But I, yes. the way I've been working on it has kind of been out of order. So I don't have like the whole first issue or the whole first, the second issue done. I've kind of got bits and pieces of different issues kind of scattered throughout, and it's just gonna be a full graphic novel. But the, wow. the general premise here is that. Lee Harvey Oswald, from a young age, was actually trained by a, um, a Haitian loa, which is basically like this, like a voodoo spirit, like a uh, oversimplifying it, mm-hmm. um, but by Papa Legba, and he's kind of trained to hunt down demons that he's got this ability to see. So uh, Lee Harvey Oswald's whole story takes this, this totally different spin where he's actually kind of like this, this modern-day Van Helsing Oh, my God. <laughs> sort of going around. And and he joins the military, and he travels to Russia, and he travels to Japan, and this is all part of his demon training. Um, so he's encountering also, and I could, actually, I think I might have a couple um, cool examples of this one. Oh, cool. So I've got, uh, so here's a couple of the fighting scenes, because these are some of the, the fun ones to look at. So here's Lee Harvey Oswald Whoa. that's kind of fighting off a demon in Vietnam. Um <sighs> Here's one I think he's in Japan. Holy shit. Um, and the, and here's um, and these are all sort of like traditional monsters that we've kind of adapted, but they all are, are unique to the different locations that he, he actually went to
0: in, in
1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
3: In real life. So here's a nice full page spread where he's battling this huge like uh, bone warrior. (laughs) And do you have um, one
2: artist or more than one artist working on a piece on like this, this? book it's
3: one artist named Brian Benjamin and he's, cool. he's a monster. Like he's, I, I love the style that he went with here. We intentionally try to go for kind of like a retro look mm-hmm. um, using modern techniques. So you, there's a lot of cross hatching and sort of line work that, that should kind of remind people of sort of fifties and sixties comics. Yeah. I love the style. I absolutely love that style. It's so cool. We've got him here fighting a giant snail from France. (laughs) Um, This was a cool one. This one was totally on Brian. Originally I had this written of of him, Lee Harvey fighting the sort of like skeleton monster in the forest, but he wrote it up as them playing like chess on this uh tree stump which I, I love i mean i just love this kind of stuff so that's amazing um, dude I, yeah, there's one more here where he's uh fighting this russian uh nature monster we've got an underwater scene Holy shit. so yeah they, i mean this this was the the general kind of like elevator pitch you know lee harvey oswald is fighting demons but the rest <laughs> of the story goes into so many really cool angles it's it's not just a um you know him fighting monsters nonstop. it kind of traces the whole backstory of Sidney gottlieb which was oh, one wow. of the architects of mk ultra it sort yeah. of follows him as like a, a young college graduate fresh out of school open to the world meets up with jack parsons and jack parsons kind of sends him down this lane of looking into sort of black magic and um you know kind of um a- alternate topics so and then i've got a uh a thread about Jack Ruby and how he kind of gets possessed because he's living in these kind of like shady world of the street. And he offends, you know, some people that also know magic. So I I try to tie all the people that were involved in JFK assassination together and just kind of retell the story, but explaining the events that actually happened, but it's all being dictated by curses and black magic. That's so cool, man. (laughs) Uh, power to the sheeple so power Power to to the sheeple sheeple is one of the oldest stories that i've been working on and i've i've got the first issue written and i've got the whole series kind of like outlined out but it's it's so near and dear to my heart that I've just been overly picky on getting every little thing. Right. But oh, I got gotcha. um, the, the, the basic premise it spawned from the first issue of time samplers. Like I said, time samplers started as like the, the kitchen sink and sprung out from there. So in time samplers, awesome. I introduced this concept that in like 1913 or so, Alexander Graham Bell was doing these, um, these experiments on sheep and he was able to successfully create a sheep human hybrid so they created literal sheeple and they uh, originally were sort of servants for people that worked in like high-end hotels or these like retreats um and then power to the sheeple sort of expands on that like takes that you know that universe okay sheeple were created sometime in the early 1900s but it completely forgets about time samplers and just says okay what happened to that whole sheeple species and essentially what happens is that during World War II, the Nazis were, they were afraid the Nazis were gonna board on Jekyll Island, which is where all these sheep were originally living. So the government (laughs) didn't want to get embarrassed because essentially rich people had been, you know, fucking, you know, these like sheep hybrid and having them serve them. and, And it would have been this like big uproar. So they moved them all to deep underground military bases. So now we've got all the sheeple live in these dumb cities, you know, deep underground military based cities. And they're essentially used as um, our animal testing, but for like media and for, so for example, like they want to test how people might react to a mandate vaccine. Well, they would run it through these sheeple in the dumb cities first, see how they react and kind of like keep tweaking the formula until it seemed you know, doable. <laughs> and then they would go ahead and repeat the same process above ground. So the, the general premise of the story though, is that you've got these you know three kids and they kind of go on this journey and realize that there's this world above and that there might even be these, um, these rumored humans, which were only written about in, you know, the books and they find like an old wow. copy of Mary had a little lamb and that's like their Bible because oh. <laughs> human people. So it's all about these kids kind of, it's like a coming of age, you know, adventure, stand by me style, Sandlot style, but they're these sheeple kids venturing out into the the human world above. Um, and then making so their way cool. back through um, and trying to convince everyone, like, hey, there's these actual humans above that are, like, running the show and no one believes them because, <laughs> you know, it sounds crazy. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. Um, and then I'll, I'll say this, Connect the Dots is a uh, a children's book um, series. It's kind of a parody on the Magic School Bus, but instead Whoa. of learning about... You know how the body works. They learn about on um, this one how chemtrails affect the body. So I've got uh, an example I can show you of this one too. Sweet. Um, and this one was all artwork done by um, a girl named Crystal Madison. That, and if you go to my Instagram, you can see links to all these pages um, and awesome. these artists. So this one, it was. I mean, this was created and written exactly like a straight up children's book, and I'm getting it printed <laughs> like a straight children's book um but essentially I'll skip to some of the better pages so like here they're they're immediately start talking about chemtrails and we've got these different <laughs> roles in the in the classroom right so we've got Sam which is sort of a, a nod to Uncle Sam and this kid always takes the official story on everything so whatever comes up it's like oh I see you know that's been explained away or whatever We've got um, Nate here, who is sort of like the four chan internet whiz troll. He knows about crypto and he knows about every meme that's ever come out. We've got Ozzy, who's the resident skeptic, so like he knows every conspiracy theory uh, by heart. <laughs> um, and then we've got um, Maria here, who's sort of like the the straight man. She kind of uh, listens to everyone's ideas and tries to come up with some sort of you know middle ground. We've got uh, Kaylee, who is this like the new age, uh, sort of like crystals can heal um, if, you know, enough love will overpower uh, the evil in the world, sort of take. And then we've got her twin brother, Jacob, and he's just kind of glued to his phone all the time. He just kind of mm-hmm. represents uh, um, almost like a modern day Mr. Magoo, where everything just happens around him and he just kind of bumbles through. Mm-hmm. Um, so and here's our, our teacher, Miss Terry. And she kind of like just bursts into the room constantly. And this is Dot, their class rabbit. I love uh, her her outfit. (laughs) Yeah, so like like her outfit just kind of like in the magic school bus. It'll change depending on what they're about to do. So like here here they're going through the playground, and they go through this bus, um, which is which is a nod to these like underground bus sort of survival um, compounds. I never even heard of these, but people will buy like a whole bunch of old school buses. And they'll weld them together into these big, like you know, pipe um, sort of like labyrinths under the ground, and just bury them. And they turn into sort of like these little bomb shelter cities. That's so, amazing. That really, they really do that. That's oh yeah, so absolutely. Cool. I mean, it's it's a it's a small minority of people, but yeah, I mean, right, yeah, do that. That's um, so so. Essentially, number thirty three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of little nods all over the place. So they. They go through this bus, and essentially the bus is got some kind of astral projection technology. So as they go through it, now they come out and you know they've shrunken down or they can fly, or it just explains them being able to shrink down to the size of an ab or whatever. So, wow. so first it goes in and we explain the official story because it's you know, we want to say, like, okay, we're not just gonna say chemtrails are a thing and just believe us and it's a fun thing. So we're going to acknowledge um, contrails and water vapor condensing and, you know, all the the typical phenomenon. And then we're, we start mentioning like, okay, well then sometimes you also find all sorts of weird chemicals in the air, like aluminum and barium and um, other things that might not exactly describe just typical chemtrail or contrails rather. Um, So then we, I've got a couple where we sort what chaff is. So chaff is like this, ground up sort of uh, anti-radar um, things and, and very often you'll um, see reports where they talk about chemtrails and they'll even show it on sort of the the overhead radar and it's doing like chaff um, drills and things like that so what else we gotta we kind of go into like it might be ufos we talk about nice how um, one of the original ones was using powdered aluminum to possibly patch ozone holes, which was a legit experiment where they wanted to reflect UV rays back out into space and hopefully patch that up. Um, What else? We got some uh, notes about cloud seeding and cloud busting, which uh, starts going into like uh, weather manipulation, going back, you know, to olden times. And then uh, as it kind of like keeps advancing, now we start talking about um, Morgellons disease which is a lot of people are on the fence about but I mean I don't think there's ever been a kid's book that they talk about <laughs> it so They talk about having you know like ultraviolet light that shows little particles and that magnets might react to them um, and then sort of the side effects that people mentioned by Morgellons disease by name here oh uh, and then it kind of gets into like uh, the more conspiracy out there so um, we've got Nate talking about it's actually nanobots um, in this big clouds of smart dust that are talking back to the Alpha Dracona star system. And um, <laughs> so like it, it kind of like spans the whole like here's the official story here's some of the more um, scientifically proven stories here's kind of a military explanation of it and here's kind of like the off the wall thing that you might read on you know like a, a conspiracy subreddit and then they they bring them all back to the the classroom and all the kids kind of restate and kind of um come up with their little conclusions and then we sort of do a little nod to the next we've got jacob here who pulls up his nopes website and he just says feels <laughs> are false and that's all he needs to know and he kind of moves on um, oh there's so many jacobs
2: in this world <laughs> <laughs> Is that the male equivalent to Karen,
3: perhaps? Jacob? Perhaps. (laughs) Again, he's like the the Mr. Magoo of the story. Yeah. (laughs) Telemind. What's that one about? Uh, Telemind was just a quick experiment. It was about um, two guys that worked at a telecommunication, like a, um, you know, they would call you up and ask you to buy fucking keychains or car warranties or whatever. But that they were trained in how to to actually use sort of like MKUltra harp to just talk directly to someone's minds. Instead of calling you up, they would just be assigned to you and wait for you to be, you know, vegged out in front of the TV and start telling you to like buy that new Lexus or whatever. Oh, wow. So it it was a quick little comic strip. I think I've got, yeah, 12 different ones. And it's just showing how these. Two guys, kind of in office humor and fucking with people with this kind of newfound technology that they've got, and then one of them eventually is talked into murdering somebody.
2: Oh jeez, <laughs> that's awesome, dude! Well, this is quite a gallery
3: you have so far, man. How long have you been running this? Um, I started the company in twenty twelve, but I started nice. on the Time Sampler's comic in two thousand and five or so. Awesome, man! It's been a while. <laughs>
2: cool so also for the listeners out there you really need to go to to paranoidamerican.com and check all this out it's awesome and there's a whole section on research
3: which is really cool Uh, oh yeah so uh, yeah you try to link to all the different topics so on certain pages um like if i go here to secret societies bohemian grove um i've got some links to books that i would suggest checking out on the different topics then if i Mm -hmm. go to like Monarch here it'll show you all the different pages that um, refer to Monarch directly so if I you know click on this time samplers issue three page four here they are dignity colony and they're showing these MK ultra techniques where they're training these kids to act like they're superman or they're fighting off dragons and it's all it's all kind of like ties into it and I I try to explain um what the MK ultra specific uh, techniques that you know are portrayed in this page here so some people might just want to read the comic and and kind of get you know like the fun vibes from it but if you really want to dig in and see like where did this come from and if if you think it just sounds like bs that's kind of what my hope is, is that this sounds so fantastical that you know it, it can't be real and it m- most likely isn't real 100 the way it's portrayed but if you want <laughs> right. to look more into it here's all the research that you need to go down that rabbit hole
2: that's so cool.
3: It's I like, mean, you know, books and, and movies and all sorts of references.
2: Yeah, man. I've been, I've have been digging through your research section and I love how you have it set up. It's like, I got to, my hat's off to you, dude. Like this is like the most modernized way to put like a bibliography together to,
3: you know, all your source materials. This is beautiful. I and, love and it, it really <laughs> helps too, to like, to, to research it later. Or I found out even more detail, I can go back and kind of amend this as opposed, this is another good example of the digital versus printed, right? Like in printed. I can't go and amend, you know, like a bibliography or something. So this, this stuff that you see here, like the research and the notes, this is definitely uh, just on the website. So it's a reason to go here and and check it out in depth.
2: Absolutely, man. So here's what I wanted to get into with you in general. uh, And that's what's your favorite topic? To get into and research like what's what's your what do you think in your opinion is like the juiciest conspiracies and ones maybe with the most weight that you've really been into
3: uh it's hard man it, it wavers you know it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit so yeah i hear M- you <laughs> mk ultra is one of my go-tos but i also feel like i've i've almost hammered it into the the ground with all the different approaches i've taken with it Um, it's a endlessly fascinating topic just because it spans so much stuff and it's got documentation and, um, but if I'm going to take that one off the table, just because I'm so burned out by it, I would (laughs) say my next favorite is gotta be the Bavarian Illuminati and probably just secret societies in general, maybe going back to like cult of Mithras, but, um, a lot of the older ones, they, I mean, I find them fascinating, but it also like almost all of the writing and research on them is, is almost all speculation and based on, you know, like stories that were told 300 years after the last known, you know, cult meeting had happened. So it's, it's almost like reading, you know, the, the book of Matthew or something and trying to get a good historical perspective on the times. So,
2: yeah. um, Like uh, recently, I found out from a a very well-read author and he's traveled a ton, uh, previous guest of the show freddie silva he was telling me that the sumerians borrowed all of their stories too and that was i mean and i already had you know the glimpses there in society that everything's getting older and we're finding civilization is so much older but that is a very unique little moment right there because it's like we base so many of our conspiracy theories on sumerian roots and like where everything started in sumer and the ancient astronaut stuff and the anunnaki and it's weird to think that even our most precious conspiracy theories can just kind of unfold and there's just more going on further down the rabbit hole you know yeah i mean
3: it's it's hard to assume that like the sumerians or any culture like it all just kind of came from one place although uh, that, that it's it's an interesting topic but I'm so I'm so far removed from like the ancient aliens and astronaut stuff just because it's uh, I don't know it, it feels so unprovable and subjective that like anyone can just make up their own idea and it would be just as sort of valid as anyone else's idea when, when you get to like you know pre- sumerian, um stuff so I, oh yeah I, I feel like when it gets closer to written record like we actually have written records from the illuminati and some of the members that kind of wrote the the foundings of it and the the um the different rituals and sort of like the written works that were disseminated through the members like that's the kind of stuff i love to sink my teeth into because it's got you know it's 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 not listed in the historical fiction section or the mythology section you can read about it in the actual you know european history and it's it's real so like when once the uh the real stops and all of the speculation starts that's where the conspiracy aspects come in you know so I like mm. they say that the, the Bavarian Illuminati while being wildly successful just kind of evaporated um one day <laughs> right it's similar to like the next Templar right they just kind of evaporated one day and oh yeah all that's that information right was lost so I, I, I tend to not believe those kind of stories. Just like I, I tend to not believe rags to riches stories. Um, yeah. So I, they're like the red flag of like, I'm going to look more into this and see. Cause there had, like, it wasn't just like the, you know, you're walking down the street and all of a sudden someone's like, Hey man, I'm going to give you a, a job or invest in you and do everything that you've had planned. But I always feel like there's, you know, there's these like turning point moments that might not be advertised. So those are the things that I, I kind of look for and dig up oh yeah they love to sell
2: us those stories everywhere they love to sell us like the mark zuckerberg stories and everything where it was just this this one rogue element that right just the the right system. Time yeah and- exactly <laughs> took yeah stole those twins ideas and ran with it and, yeah <laughs> amazing yeah dude i'm totally fascinated by the secret society stuff and 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 i know that uh like it's a lot there's a lot of it's convoluted as hell because there's so many people that have written books that speculate. And then there's so many people that have like left secret societies and written books. And then everyone's, Oh, it's just controlled opposition. And so my question for you is, I mean, you're deep into all this research. Where is your kind of like your keystone for, you know, maybe a, you know, like a compass of some sort to kind of guide you to, uh, to kind of feel your way through like what's real and what could be just being fed to us, controlled opposition, you know, stuff like that. Like real in what sense? Well, it's like, for me, I, I, I feel like there's, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Maybe it's just a feeling where there's a certain line that I can kind of go, okay, this is worth following versus, this sounds like it's kind of being fed to us, and maybe this is, maybe this is, you know, put here on purpose as disinformation. Like, so, how I do you mean, navigate those waters? You know, when you're when you're doing your research. I mean,
3: I'm not an expert, and I probably guess no. None of us are, right? <laughs> through, like really stupid theories sometimes too, but I, <laughs> I tend. To, I mean, I'm I'm almost forty. I'm I'm thirty eight. I think so. I'm I'm getting yeah, I'm a 36. little bit older. So I tend now, like, the more outlandish um, it seems and the more that it promises that, like, more details are going to be revealed and, like, dead man drops and tick-tick type stuff, those are all huge red flags to me where it feels like either Project Mockingbird or just 4chan trolls just kind of creating chaos just for the hell of it or you know china comms that are nihilists and <laughs> yeah just just kind of like digital um, nihilism I so yeah. there, there's some element of that Um, like a lot of the the occult topics which i'm a huge fan of like like Me i'll too. say a lot of the secret society stuff right at the the main reason that they even remain popular and even got people to sign up is because they all kind of promise this secret sacred knowledge that's going to completely uh change your life in some dramatic um you know way that that'll be completely substantial and some of it is more of like a business like you're gonna rub elbows with you know the local comptroller or, or whatever so those things are very tangible but there's also this this extra element um especially when you get into like golden dawn or some of the more uh like magical groups of that, like, you you start to gain magical ability or or you gain more, um, sort of more control over intent and uh, what's like the the law of attraction. Like, when it gets into those kind of realms, they lose me a little bit just because I I started out as a skeptic and I feel like deep down, I still am a hardcore skeptic, which (laughs) if anything means that the conspiracy theories that I do sort of buy into, I feel like I give them even more credit than um or uh, it, it gives it more credibility than i guess i would to many other ones just because like i would love if if ancient aliens were the explanation for so many things or if right you know if if jay and uh and you know lebron james were like legit in the illuminati and, and pulling the shots i mean it's it's easy and it's like a simple solution to a complex problem so i, mm. I guess that's kind of my litmus test is like the simpler it seems Um, like if it just kind of like answers everything and checks all the boxes that's might be just kind of a forced conspiracy theory because you know nothing is it's so simple that you can answer it all with this unified theory Um, and then the other one too is whenever something gets you know oversold if if I see the same report on all the different sites whether it's the conspiracy sites or on the mainstream websites there's like obviously a, a, a unified narrative that was crafted and is being recrafted and going out so it, it's almost hmm. like pattern recognition right you, you just kind of notice like hey I, I noticed these tactics this is kind of like that thing that happened a couple of years ago and maybe <laughs> now it's about a pandemic but before it was about you know something else it was satanic national pandemic, security sort of. or yeah yeah it's, exactly it's, yeah the, this the same sort of justifications are being played out but you know the, the lyrics change but the tune kind of stays the same
2: yeah, it all resonates
3: at the same frequency.
2: <laughs> well, it, it, man. And It's
3: hard too, man, because I would say that I, I, I bring this one up often, but in the 90s and maybe even in the early 2000s, conspiracy theorists were across the board, kind of, you know, the whole gamut of bleeding heart liberals to sort of your right wing extremists. You know, it was it, it was everybody. They all believe in aliens. They all believe that the government was, you know, pulling shady shit and lying. But man, like over the last five or six years, now there's like certain conspiracy theories that will immediately put you into one political, um, you know, camp over the other one. And it's that part also, I feel like is very contrived. And whenever I see like, oh, well, you're just saying that because you're, uh, you know, you're a Biden supporter or you're saying that <laughs> yeah. because you're a Trump, Trump supporter. Or, yeah. Those, those ones are like minutes. There's something to that. Someone's shutting down the conversation for a reason.
2: You know, what's the worst part about getting into an argument or something with someone that says that to you, like, Oh, you're just doing this because you're a this or that. And you say, actually, I don't subscribe to either one of those. Their reaction is usually like, Oh, and they just walk away. <laughs> like you're not even playing our game. Oh,
3: you know what I mean yeah well it's the also the meme of like the enlightened centrist like oh you think you're just so Contrarian. good you don't have to pick a team
0: yeah you know, because
3: you're above it <laughs> it's like yeah dude no shit but well, i, I remember if, i think this was a jordan maxwell because he always had fun playing with like words and phrases but the yeah. one that always stuck with me is that that like a, opposing politicians or even in like a a, a courtroom right um it's almost like calling it a court because they're these two players that are playing the same game and they're lobbing the ball back and forth, you know, one on both sides of the court. It's almost, almost identical to, you know, basketball players or football players where, you know, they're rivals on the court and, you know, like, I hate you and I'm going to beat you. But as soon as that game's over, they're, they're going to the bar, they're probably toasting each other more than they're toasting their fans, you know, because, they're not equal with their fans. They're equal with the other person that they were just playing. And that that rivalry is just completely contrived for media. It's it's the, again, it's the W, the the pro wrestling sort <laughs> yeah. of, oh, I'm going to get you. And But, you know, they're best friends behind the scenes. So I, I feel like it's almost identical on a lot of the political things where, you know, people fight each other and these guys are going and having drinks with each other uh, after hours. So. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, they're all connected, it seems. Well, dude, it's been real having
2: you on, man. I can't wait to dig into your work. Seriously, I, I'm inspired now. And I hope some of my listeners check, your, check out your website because it's a real masterpiece, I think.
3: Thank you so much, man. And, and also, I mean, go to the website. You can read almost all the comics in their entirety for free. doesn't. There's no wow. like sign up or Patreon or anything. If you want to support, you can buy a, a printed comic. There's a handful left um but I'll, i'm gonna be coming out with so many more soon like i said i think on the website i've got around 200 pages or so published and i think on my hard drive i've got like 300 or so that's that are just waiting to uh, be seen by some other people so
2: that's so cool dude well i, I already have a bunch of friends in my world i can't wait to show them this episode and get them hooked on your stuff dude so yeah again thank, thank you, you, so, you so, much, so much man i appreciate it yeah thank you so much for coming on man uh, so, yeah, everybody, Thomas Goritz, everybody check out Paranoid American and take it easy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places. And remember, think for yourself, but don't always believe what you think. Till next time. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together,
0: passes Enough, I get the point. <laughs> you have meddled with the primal forces of nature.
1: <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If oh. I know what we know, well, then I can tell you what we know, and if someone else knows, okay? Uh. <laughs>